0: Hi, my name is Dylan Ricks, and I'm the head of partnerships at We Think Code. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup, Dylan. Thanks, great to be here. Congratulations. Uh, you're fairly new in this role. Uh,
1: you spent some time at MEST and then came over here. Give me a sense of what it is you do here, and for those of us who are pretty fresh to We
0: Think Code and what you do here, what we think code exists to do. Sure. So, I think to explain my role, if we go back a bit into the We Think Code story, uh, in 2016, it was set up by uh, Arlene Mulder and Camille Gon. And the thinking behind it was how do you democratize education, uh, but specifically uh, technical skills? So, there's a massive gap in the market, there's a great need for skills, but how do you make it accessible to people who might not necessarily have had the opportunity or the background in IT or coding? Uh, and so, how do you source those people, and then also give them an intensive training experience which leads directly to employment uh, and so we run a two year long program and throughout that they also take internships in corporate uh, in a corporate environment, and the idea is really to prepare them for the skills they need to take up full time employment and so my role is really about finding those companies that have said you know we have a drastic lack of skills we're struggling to recruit for these roles because it is very specific but we're also looking for people who are really full stack developers there are people who have a wide variety of skills and will fit in really well into our business as well and so that's kind of where we've uh, you know the the head of partnerships role came from and
1: so when you say our business are you like geber and andela where you are also
0: i guess a recruitment agency for firms looking for these skills Um, I wouldn't describe ourselves as a recruitment agent. I think one of the things is we are born in the the South African context. And so there's an acknowledgement that uh, there is a a huge, huge gap in the education system. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to upskill people and find them employment. The corporate elements of that is more that these companies that we work with, and it's important that they do, that they want to invest in the future of South Africa. They want to invest in the future of these skills and they want to help upskill people. Of course, there's a business element for that uh, as well, but we don't do recruitment. We don't do placements. This is a journey which we take with the, the corporate partners. And so they're involved throughout the process. They come in, they speak to our students, they add value in that way. They provide two internship opportunities, which are four months each. And the idea is that they are helping shape these young minds. And then at the end of it, hopefully, at their discretion, they will provide uh, an opportunity for full-time employment.
1: You've alluded to the model. Explain perhaps using one or some of your existing partnerships. What's the resourcing model? Is this for-profit? Are you guys an NPO? And... And how do you go about choosing partners or being chosen by partners
0: so we uh we're a not-for-profit company and that you know that is quite important for us because it's part of our ethos that we are doing good for the country but also that Uh, we want to run commercially so we are a not-for-profit company but the skills that we put out at the end they need to be top-notch they need to be people who are ultimately employable and I think that's that's something that you know in a partnerships function you see when partners keep coming back that's a good sign and so some of our founding partners are F&B, Derivco, BBD Uh, and then we brought on Telcom and BCX as uh, expansion partners but overall we have about you know, 40 partners who span the full range of the corporate environments in South Africa from, you know, banks, development houses, right through to smaller SMEs who are doing amazing things in blockchain or gaming. So because we we work with such a variety of partners, our model works quite well in terms of the training that we do. And, and obviously we can go more into that, but it's really about we build the foundations in the first year, we do some PHP bootcamps, et cetera. But the second year is really the students have actually experienced an internship in this company. And so they know this company focuses specifically on these tech stacks. They focus specifically on this type of project. And so the second year is really about creating your own curriculum. So we have 18 modules available to the students. And then they really select the ones that are most relevant to the career part that they want to take and that might be security or iOS developments or Java developments and then they dive quite deeply into those and so it's really so that by the time they come into the the second internship and, and employment they are ready to work within that organization but more importantly they've learned how to learn because technology changes so quickly that we could teach you this tech language and then tomorrow it's obsolete so how do we make sure that there are future-proof tech talents that can work in in any environment really
1: And so these companies you work with, do they see this more as CSR on their part or is it the sort of money they would have spent on HR spend or toward attracting the sort of skills they need as a straight line item, say, in their income statement?
0: I mean, that's, you know, it's obviously unique to each company, but I think for the most part they see it as we need, we need uh, tech skills. And so where we traditionally might go to a university and there may be gaps in terms of the practical experience these students have, they're trying new things. And so they come to us because they have very specific talent requirements and they're struggling to find these skills. And so they see this as a, a great opportunity for them to both uh, develop that pipeline but also you know really get those people into the organization so it's not really a CSR in any way they're they're seeing this as an actual uh, opportunity for their business and, and to fill gaps where they are those within the business
1: you know in trying to make sense of who and what you guys are and finding a box for you as it were there's Andela and Gaber right, perhaps on, on one side of the continuum. I'd say, Andela, on the far right, you know, as we move left, um, you might have Gaber, which I think leans closer to like the traditional school or educational environment, in addition to being, say, a placement agency or a resource to companies to fulfill their HR needs um, and profit over the placement of actual people, the ongoing uh, placement or service provision. Uh, it sounds to me that you guys are somewhere between Gebeya and like the traditional educational environment.
0: Is that fair to say? And
1: if not, why not?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's unfair. Uh, I've worked with Gabea and I've worked with Andela at various points in my career. So I do understand their models quite well. We're different from them. So break it
1: down for us as someone who's had experience with these firms and, and appreciating their model. Give us a sense of, you know, what's different about them and and how you perhaps aren't quite like that
0: or are unique in your own way. Sure. I think uh, probably the biggest, biggest difference from from both of them is that their models both focus very much on you know finding opportunities to have african tech talent solve problems in developed markets and so both of them do a lot of their Business development in the US or the UK, and they are looking for companies that are struggling and outsourcing to places like India. And so they're, they're seeing this renaissance in uh, African tech where there are these young people and, and let's upskill them and then outsource the work. I think for us, the focus has always been we are looking for South African students, for South African companies, and we're going to solve that problem locally for local companies. Um, and in a way, it's because we started, I guess, in Johannesburg where. It is such a, a massive issue. I mean, Endeavor just released a report that showed the number of tech jobs and the, the lack of skills associated with those in Joburg is, is a huge problem. Um, and so we're really looking at the markets that we're in that we're solving the, that local need and we're solving it with local resources. And so how do you reach a young person uh, that's living in Kailitsha and match them to uh, ultimately to a position that is you know 15 minutes away from them? Um, and that's, that's the space that we play in. And so our model isn't necessarily... Uh, conducive to the Andela, let's raise funding and, and bring returns for investors because that's, that's not where we play. Uh, we, we are a not-for-profit and we re- intend to stay that way, uh, but we always focus on quality. And so we want to make sure that we've got all of the skills and services around those students that by the time they go into employment, they're work ready. They're work ready from a technical perspective, but also we've resolved any, any life uh, or communication skills or soft skills that they not, don't have. And so that's a massive component of the, the program and why it takes two years, because, you know, we're taking people from such a wide variety of backgrounds that you really need to, to think about the, the broad set of skills that, takes, that you need to take into account when going into employment.
1: But also, what makes you different is once you've done what you can or you've you've sort of invested in these young people, it's one up to your i don't want to call them sponsors, your partners to determine whether or not they want to absorb these these young people into their ranks and it's really up to the i suppose the graduates or the alumni of your process to make their way in the world thereafter, and you don't perhaps have the pressure Andella and and Gabea have to sort of keep people. Uh, loyal, because you know there's this ongoing need
0: to basically sell their skills, am I right? yeah, I think uh, you know it's really important for us that w- by the time they leave the program that they are well skilled, but there's an acknowledgment as well that we're working with people and so we give two internship uh, internship opportunities because that's for the the students to understand is this a company I actually want to work for and for the company to say are you a cultural fit? You might be technically amazing, but if you're not a cultural fit, it's not going to last. And so we spend a lot of work in that matching process to, you know, gain excitement from the corporates to come in and speak to the students and the students put their CVs forward to the ones they want to work with. Uh, But that at the end of the first internship, we also say, was that the right fit? And then if it isn't, we do a rematching process. Uh, So by the end of it, you know, our hope is that every single student goes into employment. Of course, you know, we We say to them uh, you, you commit to that sh- that that sponsor for a year should you get in um but beyond that, you're a person and and we're not going to hold on to you forever, so we've given you the skills the company then um, needs to you know create environments in which you want to work in, and I think that's why we see it as really a partnership. So we work very closely with the companies and understand their needs and make sure that we're doing as much as feasibly possible. But you know, beyond that two three years, that's really for them, and and you know, people will move and and change their lives. But we what's your success rate? Uh, so uh, from our first cohort, which uh, started in two thousand sixteen and graduated this year, we have a ninety five placem- uh, percent placement rate, um, and that's something that obviously we just want to keep growing year by year. Uh, but that's really what we're aiming for. We're aiming for a full placement rate, and and if you graduate from the program, we're going to do everything we can to make sure you find an opportunity at the end of it.
1: I've heard the folks at Andela say, you know, getting into Andela is statistically more difficult than getting into Harvard. I really can't stand it when they they go that route. And I understand, uh, listen to me using the American version of Root. Uh, When they go that route um, in, in trying to sort of PR themselves, I know that plays really well in the States where that sort of snobbery is is celebrated, frankly, but um, and perhaps here too, if I'm honest. But how, how hard is it to get in and, and how important is it that people be clawing all over each other to try and get into we think code?
0: Look, I, I mean, it, it's hard. I'm going to be very honest on that. We, we really are doing a lot of tests to test for aptitude. So the acceptance rate is, is relatively low, but that's not, you know, that's not something we promote. It's not something that we really care about. If you are well suited to it, we want you here. Um and so if we if you get through, so the, our application process is a series of online games. There are three games in total. You you get a high score, you get invited to a boot camp. The boot camp then is three and a half weeks long uh intensive it's seven days a week eat sleep code um, and really what we're trying to do there is we're trying to test whether you'll succeed in our environment because for us someone who coming in and then dropping out is not uh, uh, you know not an ideal case and so while it happens we want to try and counteract for that as much as possible but once you're in the program we we really want you to succeed and so as much as possible we try to put interventions in place for that and and there are specific interventions we do put in place but you know we 're not talking about how competitive it is to get in as much as we 're saying you know once you 're in we 're going to do everything possible to make sure you succeed
1: and so i 'm aware that you guys have expansion plans for other countries, other markets on the continent uh, where to next
0: yeah so currently we we opened in Joburg in two thousand and sixteen. We started in Cape Town at the beginning of this year, uh, and so we have our first cohorts going into internships in February. Uh, and then we're starting to examine other markets. The plan for us is that by 2024, we want to be operating in three African countries, in five cities, um, and obviously there's a lot of thought that goes into that and, and making sure the model is scalable, um, but we're looking across East and West Africa at the moment to make sure that we, when we do expand, we're doing it for the right reasons, that our model there works and, and that we continue to, to grow uh, in a healthy manner, I guess. Do you expect to exploit... The arbitrage
1: opportunity that I sense is possible in intra Africa terms, um, I imagine the cost of coding talent in South Africa is not quite what it is, say, in other
0: parts of the continent, or vice versa, right? Are you going andela on us here? No, I think um you know what the thing is if if we move to a new market, uh we would probably have to tweak the model slightly if if I'm honest, but so that's a yes, so basically <laughs> they're
1: totally looking to get affordable talent plugging into, say, South African companies or, you know, affordable South African talent, you know, feeding into companies and places where coding talent's a lot more expensive.
0: Am I right? No, I would say if that company has an operation, I mean, we look at the student first, you know, that students in in Lagos, for instance, they don't want to travel to work in, in Johannesburg um, or they can't because of visa reasons. So if we expanded to a new market, we would really start by looking at, who are the, the companies that, are going to be, uh, that we're going to be working with and partnering with, and what are their tech needs? And so I think we would uh, still take a localized approach wherever we go. We're going to be looking at, you know, is, is, does Lagos have enough opportunity to support the students that we're putting out? And if not, then that's not the right market for us. So we're different in that we don't want to take you from, uh, you know, from Lagos or from Accra and send you somewhere else across the continent. We want you to, to work in that environment, in, in the city that you live in. Uh, what you choose to do five, 10 years after that, you know, that's, that's up to you. You're probably
1: aware, given that you've worked with Gabay and Andela, the, the fact that, um, you know, the, there's been criticism that their models essentially, you know, create a brain drain effect that takes the very best we have on the continent to, to feed into what's already working just fine elsewhere. Uh, granted, there's the shortage of good talent anywhere in the world, but certainly no, not more so than right here. And so um, are you sensitive to that notion? Um, I've had people on, from Mandela on the show, of course, vehemently denying that they're, they're contributing to any so called brain drain. Are you sensitive to that? Is that in part why your model is what it is?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, our students, when they graduate, they go into a local company at the starting salary that someone else would go into in that company. And so we are cognizant of it. And I think, Andela and Della and Gabea Talent, they have their models and their models work well and they're solving very specific issues. Uh, and in the same way that we are. So, you know, we're more uh, locally focused and that, that in times is, is intensive. It, it makes it a little bit more difficult. You have to actually understand the partners that you're working with and their needs and our curriculum adapts accordingly. And so I don't think it's necessarily something to criticize about them. They saw an opportunity and, and they're doing very well because of it, but it's not really where we play. So we are cognizant that uh, local people getting upskilled into local companies is what the ecosystem needs in all of these cities across the continent. Do you guys take on grant funds? Uh, I mean so you know we're looking at all sorts of opportunities Uh, we are are looking at having certain portions of the curriculum grad funded because uh, as we grow and as we learn there there are elements that we want to incorporate into it and and a nice way to do that is to to work alongside organizations which not only have the funding but also have experience in some of the things that we're you know we're going through Um, if you look at uh, life skills for instance there are lots of Uh, organizations which focus specifically on that and so you know having a partner that can work alongside us with that is is definitely something that we're looking at
1: i ask because there's a debate that the development agenda within africa's tech and innovation scene is being shaped by and large by you know institutions and organizations that one aren't necessarily invested and I, and I say that carefully, aren't necessarily invested in outcomes over the long term right here on the continent. And they've got theses and, you know, concept notes that are quite divorced from, you know, our long term sustainability and well being here on the continent. And, you know, the politics of that is actually doing more to shape, quote unquote, what Africa needs next. And so I guess I asked the question because I wonder who sets that agenda here and if you guys ever have have ever had to grapple with potential grant funders or existing partners trying
0: to shape your thinking around what you should be doing. Of course. I think um, you know, we are very aware that that there are motivations behind behind everything. And so the founders very early on said, this is our DNA. And obviously the program adapts and, and different things happen. But we are very much about democratizing education uh, to allow anyone between the ages of 30, 17 and 35 uh, to enter the program, irrespective of... Uh, economic or socioeconomic backgrounds or educational levels, uh, and then we we partner with industry and, and partnering with industry is a it's a back and forth and, and obviously everyone has their motivations and we, we, we as much as we can without changing who we are, we do try to accommodate for that um, but I think we're also very aware that if a partner comes to us and says, this is what I want, and it's, it's a, a significant change to how we operate, that doesn't work not only for us, but it doesn't work for the other partners that we're working with. And so we're very clear up front about this is who we are. We're developing exceptional talents that are going to join your company. But yes, our, our year runs in a certain way. And, and where we can, we would love to incorporate more of what the partners are doing. But I really think that it's important that we know who we are and that we focus on, on doing what we do well.
1: Okay, and I'm not trying to sensationalize the imagined competition that might exist between, say, Gebert and Andela and, say, you guys or whatever, because the addressable opportunity is so massive. And frankly, we need several, you know, a couple dozen of you guys um, doing what you do to to meet the need. And I think still there'd be space, um, at least I'd like to imagine. But I do think, if I imagine being in in the boardroom of somewhere like Andela and they're sort of like a quadrant on the whiteboard and they're trying to sort of plot, you know, who's who? Is this like a potential partner? Is this like an out-and-out competitor? Like who, you know, and they're trying to figure out, like figure you guys out. In your mind, where do you think you might place in that sort of discussion or deliberation at a place like Andela? Is it plausible that perhaps... One day you know there might be a collaboration that involves you guys both, or that there might be aspects of the of your model you tweak and that puts you head to head with them in some way, or you know give me a sense oh, we 're looking at
0: uh, crystal balls i uh you know, for us, I think it's it's complimentary. We we see them not as competitors. I think that yeah, Andela has done a lot of work at saying this is an actual problem that we are facing across the continent. Um, this is how we're going to resolve it. And, and, you know, we're saying we're going to resolve it in this way. But, I mean, like you say, there are a lot of organizations that are playing in the space. And, and to be honest, we could triple, quadruple in size and still not even address a tiny portion of that. But I think increasingly and specifically because we we operate primarily in South Africa at the moment we work with other schools that are not exactly the same none of them none of us have exactly the same model Um, but we work on on together on issues that we're facing and a lot of that is you know and the South African context is very specific on this but how do you um, take into account the fact that we have massive uh, disparities in wealth and we have uh, a need for um, social change we're addressing that in a very specific way and how do you put that to, to a government which is trying to find the best way to support this, um, but often are under-resourced or, or not necessarily catching up as quickly. And so how do you engage as a group with governments and say, you know, these are the challenges that we're facing and this is the support that we would like to get from you. What is it that you, you want from us? Um, and so we don't really see them as competitors as much as how do we work together to change the landscape and how do we work together to make sure that as a group we are putting out the very best that we can. So yeah, I mean, give me a sense of you know
1: picking up on on, on something you said. Like, give me a sense of w- whether or not it's part of your filter to ensure that there's a certain level of representativity in 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 the people that end up in your program. Is it for ex- for instance important to you guys that you know I walk into your offices and and I and I see a sort of demographic representation of our of what what's reflected you know in our population for in- instance and if so how do you given the sort of disparities you've described ensure that without i suppose turning it into sort of some sort of charity work that frustrates your model because you have to keep up standards or or also just makes it something impossible to access for people who come from advantaged
0: groups or previously advantaged groups no i mean it's an excellent question so I mean, there are multiple strategies on this, and I think the one thing is we't we don 't we don't socially engineer the the cohorts we want them to reflect the South African demographic and to this point they, they have um, and the way that we do that is not by saying to anyone you cannot uh, you know you cannot apply or participate in the program because you are such and such what instead we do is we go to the areas that are underrepresented in the economy and we go speak at schools in places like kailicha and langa and you know to students who might not be on twitter and obviously we do a lot of social media stuff but they might not be there and they might not have access to it and and also they might not even have access to the computers that the tests take place on and so we say to them book a slot come onto campus and you can do the testing on our campus Uh, and so as much as possible we try to put it in interventions in in that manner uh the other big area and it's something that's a huge focus for us us at the moment is that women are underrepresented in this industry no one denies that uh and you know every year we're showing growth in that and that's because of specific interventions and so uh we've increased the number of women at the moment it's uh, 15.6 percent of the cohort by 2024 we would like it to be 40 percent a year uh, and that's not saying that if you're a woman you're going to get into the program easier it's saying we're going to go speak at more all-girls schools we're going to go speak at places where um, you know women have shown an interest in tech and that they might want to join the program and then within the program and specifically because that's where the drop-off some sometimes happens within the boot camps we're going to put in a support group. And so we've started a new initiative called Women Think Code, uh, and it's getting high-level uh, women from across the tech industry both to amplify the message to their audiences but also to act as as aspirational figures uh, because that is that is a big thing that just isn't – it's not visible enough how many amazing women there are in the industry and what they're doing. Um, and, you know, getting them to mentor these these young women and say – you know, what are the struggles that you're facing specifically uh, and how can I help you overcome that? And so the Women Think Code initiative is really a big focus for us at the moment. Um, and that's going to, to, you know, increase the numbers of women that we're getting into the program. So
1: let's talk about the challenges of scaling, because to my mind, the scaling part, where you're going to another country and where you want to keep your values, it means you have to basically replicate everything that's working in, in, in Cape Town and Joburg, which is a really expensive, intensive process how do you do that and how do you do that like sustainably that is my question basically
0: uh, very intentionally i think uh we were taking a a stepped approach to to scale so we we step we plateau we perfect we step again and i think it's the right way to do it because we've you know we've grown from joburg we've grown in Cape town we know what's working what's easily replicable sorry and how many per campus uh so in joburg we have uh 200 in first year and we have Uh, 150 in second year, and in Cape Town we have uh, just over 100 in first year. Um, So this is our first year in in Cape Town, and and so we'll be bringing on some new students next year uh, on both campuses. Um, So the, the STEPS approach really says that um these are the things that we can automate these are the things that we can you know roll out easily across campuses and these are the things which are high intensity so whether that's human resources uh and you know finding the right people with the right values that believe in the mission um those are things that no matter what market we're going to go to we're going to have to do we're going to have to look at very carefully um but there are certain elements of the program because it's you know our model is peer-to-peer learning so The students, uh, we don't have lecturers, we don't have teachers, the students teach themselves and they teach each other. And so they're learning to learn. And so it does make it uh, um, easier for us to scale the program. Uh, But there's obviously a lot of thought processes into what is the infrastructure around that? Who are the companies that we're going to be working with? Where are these people going to be employed afterwards? And the quality control, I
1: imagine, you know, when you're teaching yourself, I mean how do you
0: manage that yeah i mean that's that's why we have an intensive process it's not to to uh you know have that harvard style it's literally to to test do you have the aptitude number one do you have the um the motivation the self-motivation to come into a program like ours and really succeed because you know we run it uh, as a work environment you're expected to be 40 hours a week but you are ultimately still responsible for yourself and so we put in communications workshops and all of that to uh upskill your soft skills and but you 're not going to succeed unless you 're motivated, and so we the, the the boot camps and the testing are really looking for that aptitude that 's what we 're trying to test for and obviously there's there 's going to be localization on those as well um, and our entire strategy for finding students is going to be in partnership with organizations that are already doing amazing things there so we, you know we are looking into it across the markets that we 're exploring um, but there is an acknowledgement that as long as we keep the core set of values, there can be some localization because if the market opportunity in uh, Rwanda or Kenya or you know these different markets is different, then maybe we need to uh, tweak the way that we work because you know, we're really focused on getting young people, upskilling them, employ and getting them into employment. And if that looks different somewhere else, then that's something we need to take into consideration. Uh, there's no point just cutting and pasting it because it works in Cape Town, which is obviously a very different city to uh, a Kigali or Accra. So we are cognizant that <laughs> there's going to be change. Um, and we're just looking at what that might be.
1: So, yeah, the last question I'd like to ask you is... Um, uh, you know, I hope you don't give me a biased response just because you work here, and and I'd like to think you, you know, if I'd asked you this question when you worked at at Mest, you know, you, you know, the, the answer might have been different. But I hope you give me like a, a truly honest response to factor into this debate around, you know, where do you think the, you know, the intervention is needed most around uh, bringing our ecosystem up to speed in terms of the skills it needs to compete on the global platform. What do you reckon? should be the biggest focus right now in terms of this. Also bearing in mind, for those who aren't aware, you have to be 17 years old to get into We Think Code. I think no older than? 35. 17 to 35 years of age. Um, Frankly, that's all you need. Have an age (laughs) that is between 17 and 35. Nothing else, no degrees, no prior experience necessarily, um, although it can be an advantage, I believe. But yeah, so give me a sense.
0: I mean... (laughs) I think obviously you know this much better. You've, you've spoken to people across the continent. There's so many opinions on this. I think there's space for all of it. I, I honestly believe that, uh, you know, what MIST is doing is is unbelievable. They're creating founders. They're giving people this opportunity to create companies. And that's, that appeals to a certain type of person. We are upskilling them at a level that uh, they can work in an organization at a very, very deep technical skill. So we're creating that's, those soft skills as well as those really deep technical skills harambee for instance are looking at work placements across the board you know there are organizations that are doing amazing things i think the biggest gap is that there's not enough collaboration so there's opportunities for all of these organizations to be better integrated in an ideal situation this would be a much earlier intervention i think that in south africa in particular Uh, The biggest gap is that not enough kids experience code. And obviously, I I come from a very privileged background. Uh, I went to a a good school that did offer IT, but it offered in a very um, obtuse way. So we don't spend enough time actually saying, this is a, a prospective career path for you. It's, these are the exciting opportunities. We go, this is how you code, and, and you know, it's, it's all kind of boring and, and daunting as a young person. It's really about how do we integrate that aspiration into the schooling system. And so I think it really, if, if I had to say where to start, I would say start there. Dylan Ricks of We Think Code, thank you so much for being on the African Take Roundup, man. Thanks so much for having,
1: having me here.